The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody. So this is Joni Siegel, and this is the Addiction Podcast. And with me today is my fabulous co-host, Jason, Jason Good. Good. I'm here. From Narcan on Suncoast. And Happy New Year, everybody. It is now officially 2019. Which is also the start of the next three months, all of us miswriting the date. You know, I actually started to write 2019 on the 31st of December. So I'm, I'm already prepared. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so New Year. It's always like the new year, new you. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting thing about New Year's resolutions. This is the time of year where we all look at our behavior and see what we want to change. We want to lose weight or stop smoking or eat better, work less or work more, get a job or whatever it is. And tons of addicts out there also saying, you know, man, this is my year. This is the year where I'm going to get clean. And I did that for five years straight. But there has to be an action behind it. It's really great to sit back and dream of. Your New Year's resolution, I want to lose weight. I want to get a girlfriend. I want to get married. I want to get a job or I want to stop using drugs. But there has to be action behind it. You can't, it's not enough just to want it. Yep. You have to know what you want. You know, (laughs) you have to know what you want, say what you want, and you have to go out and get it. Well, it's true with any New Year's resolution. Like when someone says, I'm going to drop 20 pounds, you have to actually take action to do that. But it's even more important, I think, for addicts to actually take action and also loved ones of addicts. Because if your addicted uh, friend, family member is telling you, oh, I'm going to get clean this year. Okay. How exactly are they going to do that? They're going to need some kind of help. Right. And so you need, you may be the one to have to help them get some sort of an action plan and get them into treatment and actually make it happen. Right. There's nothing comes out of inaction. You can't get something done by not doing something, if that makes any sense. And so yeah. it's like there actually has to be some sort of like force or effort behind everything to get you to, you know, whatever your end goal is. If you want to lose weight, you have to eat better and exercise. If you want to stop doing drugs, you have to like, get to Narcan. You have to, I mean, there's different things you have to do. And so it's more than just saying what you want and wanting it. It's like, you have to actually go get it. You have to actually do something to put, you know, one foot in front of the other and get help. So that's either asking for help or that's doing some research, hopping online, you know, go to Narcan on Suncoast.org, you know, looking at, you know, different things out there and seeing what's going to work for you as an addict. Um, and the thing is, is it works. You know, I, I talked to a guy today who actually decided out of all the programs he talked to, he wanted to come to Narcan on. I asked him why, like, what made you decide us? Like just, for my own knowledge. He said, honestly, you guys talked to me like I was a person. You didn't treat me like I was just a number. You didn't treat me like you wanted my money. Yet you guys sounded really, really genuine in your desire to help me. And your success rates, like there's nothing else like that out there. And it's not 12 step. And I failed 12 step five times. I said, come on in. Yep. And so he's coming Saturday. And that's a awesome. really, it's a really, 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 really cool thing. Um, is that people put their lives back together from like the bottom of the barrel. Yep. Put their lives back together. And just to reiterate as such, I brought a Narcanon program graduate with me. I'm excited. With me today. We have with us today, Tyler. Tyler, thank you for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So the way we always start these, I'm afraid I have to take you back to the dark days. How did you get started with drugs? Well, It all started when I was really young. You know, I was put on medications for my ADD. And then I... How young? I was probably about six years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Was it Ritalin? Uh, They tried Ritalin, Vyvanse, Adderall, combinations of those. They would give me some type of benzo 
to try and calm me down from that, something to help me sleep, things to counteract the adverse side effects of the amphetamines that they were putting me on. Right. Right. Yeah. Just for the listeners, when you use something like Ritalin on a child, even though it is an amphetamine, it acts as a suppressant. And so then when they reach their teenage years, it is no longer suppressant. Now it is an amphetamine, and now you have to counteract the amphetamine. So there's Tyler's story. Keep going. <laughs> well, after that, you know, I realized that that wasn't good for me. So I started smoking pot with some of my older friends that I had known because when I smoked pot, I didn't have to take any of that. I was able to relax and, you know, get through the day and not feel like a zombie. But that wasn't good either because that started making me feel okay to use other drugs. Mm. Then as I got older in high school, started using psychedelics and experimenting with other things. And then shortly after that, I started, of course, selling drugs to support my habits. And after being introduced into that world started seeing that it was okay to start doing things like cocaine, ecstasy, and then fentanyl, heroin, other opiates, pharmaceuticals, and all of that. Interesting. Interesting. So you started using marijuana as a solution to get off of the psychiatric medications. Correct. But then that didn't produce whatever you were trying to get from it, and so you then had to graduate to other drugs. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Now, question for you, because I know that you did the Narconon program in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Were you from Colorado? Is that where you were doing all of this? No, I'm actually from here in the area in Clearwater, Florida. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this was his old stomping ground. So he actually did what I did. He got out and across the country to go do a Narconon program. Well, and not a bad idea, no. because I think what is found a lot of times, I think what you guys find at Narconon oftentimes is that when the that the addict has to get out of that environment. You, the environment is contributing in some way. Yeah, I don't know how you do it, man, because when you're back here now, I know, and I, it's like, I, if I had gone back to the area I'd used in, like, pretty relatively closely after I graduated, the program had been difficult. Right. Just because there, you've got that environmental stress. Yes. That pops in, so. Yeah. Now, you know, I thought that was going to be an issue before I came down here, but thanks to what I actually accomplished throughout my program... It hasn't bothered me in the slightest being back here. Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. That's impressive. Tell That's us about that. It's very impressive. Well, so my program was pretty intense. I spent a lot longer than most people during my program because I wanted the full effects. Considering how long I spent as an addict, I knew that, you know, 30 days or 60 days wasn't going to be enough for me. So I really took my time and tried to accomplish everything I could and there's a part of our program where, as you know, we write out all of what we've done throughout our addiction. Mm-hmm. And that... Things that you're not proud of. Exactly. Things that you probably don't want anybody to know that you've actually done. Right. And throughout all of that and writing that and getting it off my chest, it made me okay with who I am again. Wow. Okay with, you know, being the person that I've become because of the mistakes that I've made. Very cool. That's super cool. I mean, it's very cool. I mean, we all make mistakes, but it's like, can we get to the point where we can take responsibility for them and ultimately move forward? And it sounds like that's where you are now. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to backtrack a little bit, Tyler, did you do other rehab? 
No, I did not. Okay. I had tried getting clean on my own, tried going to a methadone clinic. That didn't work because then I was using methadone and fentanyl, heroin, and all the other drugs. So it actually gave me a worse problem than I had to begin with. Yeah. And with a lot of legal issues, getting arrested multiple times, I continuously had to go through detoxes in jail and just kept reverting no matter what I tried to do, no matter... How much I tried to keep myself out of what I had been doing, I always ended up right back where I started. So I decided it was time to, you know, find something else. Actually swallow my pride and reach out for help. Interesting. Hmm. That's probably the first, that's the first step, right? Being willing to ask for help. So, Or being willing to ask or willing to receive it. Yes. Some people aren't willing to ask but could receive it. Like when you do an intervention, like they're yes. not willing to ask for help, but you get to a point where they're willing to like to receive it. Yep. I uh, see. I was the type of person I was so beat up by my drug addiction. I was like kissing the floor of the rehabs when I would come in there, just because I would get so bad off. Right. But um, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing is either either being willing to ask or receive it. Right. Much, so it's awesome. So mm-hmm. when did you? I, oh, um, not when, but how did you find Narcanon? How'd you find it? Actually, my mother found it for me. The most recent time I had been arrested, which was actually my fourth time being arrested that year, I, about 30 days into being in jail, called my mom and asked her to help me find a treatment center. And she went online and started doing research. And the next day that I had talked to her, she told me about the Narcanon program. And what really sold me and her as well on the program is the drug-free withdrawal and the New Life Detoxification Sauna Program. Interesting. It's so fascinating that you say that because to my mind, and I haven't done the Narcanon program, but to my mind, it the, the drug-free withdrawal is obviously one of the most major steps that is different than other rehabs, but even bigger than that is the New Life Sauna Detox because you get the drugs out of your system. Do you exactly. know? And there's no other program that does that. How was that for you? How was the New Life Sauna Detox? Well, I'll tell you this. After I completed my sauna program, I felt better than I even remember feeling before I started using drugs. Wow. That's definitely impressive. Yeah, it really is. I went into my program already clean for two and a half months because of my time in jail. Uh Still waking up with tremors randomly, you know, cravings, things like that. And after, I'd say about three weeks in the sauna program, I woke up one morning and didn't believe it was real. Wow. I didn't believe it was possible to feel this good again. Wow. I love that. I love that. So those those were the reasons why you did the program. And then tell me what happened after that. Well... Towards the end of my program, there was another staff member. He was actually an intern at the time. And he asked me if, you know, maybe I'd be interested in staying on as a volunteer because he thought I might be good at it. So I kind of played around with the idea, pitched it to my parents, see what they think, and they were all for it. So I decided, you know, why not give it a shot? And after about my third day as a volunteer, I fell in love with it. Wow. There's nothing better. I've never made such a good decision with my life. That's awesome. So you did the program in Colorado. Are you going to stay on there and continue to work there? Is that your plan? Yes. Awesome. I've been 
I got hired on August 30th after my volunteership and internship, and over that time, the people that helped me get to where I am have pretty much become my second family. Wow, I like that. What is, what's it like with your mom and your dad now that you've done the program? Well, let's see. So before, before I went to my program, my parents wouldn't even trust me alone in the house, barely even trusted me in the house with them there. Wow. Now, I honestly didn't believe that it was that they were being genuine when I came back and they actually trusted me. My dad's been letting me borrow his car, not really too on my case about where I've been going, what I've been doing. Granted, I've been very open and honest with them, which is part of my own personal condition Yep. with my addiction. I need them to understand that, you know, this is how I'm going to live my life for the rest of my life. Right, right. That's That's awesome. What a great story. What a great story. What else? What other questions would we have for Tyler? Part of it, we've talked before about the Narconon program, is after you do the New Life Sauna Detox, you do the objective exercises. Can you remember, like, what some of the wins were that you had on those exercises? All right. So the biggest win or realization that I had throughout my objectives course was on objective five, where you repeatedly walk from one corner of the room to the next corner of the room, somewhere in between, in the middle of my objective, it kind of hit me like a brick wall, and I saw my addiction as that corner. And every time I would fall back into my addiction, I was putting myself back in the corner. And each time I'd try to get clean, I would start to leave that corner and end up right back in the same corner. And that's when I realized I don't have to ever be in that corner again. Wow. That's that's different. I've never heard a story like that before. That's amazing. Very interesting. It's, it's amazing. You know, even though pretty much the objective exercises are the same for everyone, they mean something different to everyone. And that's that's mm-hmm. great. And then you mentioned that on um, the life skills. You have to confront and take responsibility for things you did that you're not very proud of and that maybe hurt other people. Um, I know also that part of those life skills courses have you look at the people that you were connected to and see maybe which ones had your best interests um, in mind and those who didn't. What was that like? That was really interesting to me. It made me see that all of the people that I was surrounding myself with at the time and started surrounding myself with when things started getting bad were the exact people I needed to get away from. Mm. All of the people that I thought were, you know, out to get me and tried to push away and keep out of my life were actually the people that I really needed in my life, the people that genuinely cared and loved me. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. Now, since you've been back in this area, have you seen maybe some of the people that you don't want to be connected with anymore? Have you encountered any of those people? No, I have not actually. Okay. I have, however, reached out to several of my old friends that I was friends with before I started using, the people that I pushed away through my addiction. I bet they were glad to see you. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, you brought up that you felt like um, that the area 
doesn't trigger you, like being back in the area where you were using drugs, selling drugs, getting arrested, all those things. What do you think the Narcon program handled for you that allows that to be possible? You know, I'd have to say it. Hmm, that's an interesting question. Like I had said, the personal values part of the course where I wrote out every wrong that I had done, it basically took the emotional attachment from all of my mistakes and just erased that and allowed my brain to categorize it as nothing but a memory. Interesting. Uh-huh. That makes total sense, too, because, I mean, it's, you know, just by observation, when you have like a man and a wife in a marriage, for example, and if the man has, you know, had a lot of affairs and stuff, oftentimes if he doesn't take responsibility for that, he has to separate himself from the wife. Do you know what I mean? Even though she's not responsible for it. So it makes sense to me that you take responsibility for things that you're not proud of or things that you need to take responsibility for. And then you can go back into that area. Do you Mm -hmm. know that makes total sense to me? It does. And I have a whole different outlook now that I'm back here before I wanted absolutely nothing to do with the state of Florida in any way (laughs) shape or form but now being back here I've actually found myself enjoying the subtle beauties of nature here that's awesome I just want to remind everybody you are listening to the addiction podcast point of no return if you'd like more information on the podcast visit our facebook page the addiction podcast point of no return and if you'd like more information on narcan on suncoast you can call 877-339-3324 that's 877-339-3324 i can ask a question go for it when did you notice things got completely out of control for you? When did it go from recreationally using drugs to like you looked up and were like, I think I might be an addict? Well, when I got so dope sick that I went against my own morals and put a needle in my arm. What, what happened? I was really dope sick and just couldn't deal with it. To the point where I called somebody and had them come over, bring some Dilaudids, which are a pharmaceutical painkiller, mm-hmm. and had them teach me how to shoot up. And after that, you know, I was okay with shooting up, so I started shooting everything. Mm-hmm. You know, started shooting coke, shot crack, shot meth, everything you can think of. Tyler, how old were you when you did that? 21. 21. And you started, so when did you switch from the psychiatric medications that the doctor had given you to marijuana? How old were you when that happened? I was about 10 years old. 10 years years old. I can't stand it, Jason. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, we have that that thing about (sighs) drugging kids. I was one of those kids too, and that's the thing. People don't realize that's still a thing. How old are you? I'll be 24 in two weeks. Okay, so this wasn't that long ago. Right. Basically, so when I was a kid, about you know six or seven years old in the 80s they were putting me on ritalin and right. other things they're still doing it that's the right. thing it's not stopped it's just the, the drugs may have changed but the action of drugging kids for add keeps going and the thing is it's setting up people for addiction later in life the way it goes is kind of like you're a little kid and you get told something's wrong i'm broken that's your cognition that's right. your realization i'm broken but this medication fixes me and you take the medication and you get that little weird like looking in your eyes <laughs> and um you still you're able to focus and do all the things that everyone says 
you can't do. But also, when you're a kid, you realize it gets kind of high. Right. There's a euphoria to it. When they cut you off it as a 16, 17-year-old, by that time you're on Adderall from Ritalin because Ritalin's for kids, Adderall's for adults, quote-unquote. Um, they cut you off, all of a sudden you feel like something's missing. Right. What's missing? I don't know. Can't figure it out. But I haven't taken this medication. I feel like there's a hole in my soul. Eventually, you start doing drugs, fills the hole, on you go. So it sets your body and your mind up early in life to become an addict right. later. And I promise you, it's one of those big conspiracy theories I have of like, well, how do we hook people on drugs for life? Well, we start them as kids. Right. And I want to make a point, because I was going to make that exact point, that when you start a six-year-old on different drugs like Ritalin or what have you to control their behavior or as a solution to some unacceptable behavior, you are exactly, you are setting them up for drug dependency and ultimately addiction. Mm -hmm. But the other point I want to make, because I'm a mother Mm -hmm. and as mothers, oftentimes we are not well informed about these drugs. And so if any mothers are listening and they have drug addicted children and they wonder, gee, how did that happen? And they realize that they started them on that path when Mm. they were very young in school. I don't want mothers to get into a big, huge guilt thing because I will tell you right now that I believe that 90% of mothers were they given the full story of what those drugs are, what the side effects of those drugs are, and the fact that as the child reaches puberty, they now have to take other drugs to counteract those drugs. I believe that 90% of mothers would never put their kids on it. Never, never, never. My mom never would have. Yeah, so, yeah, and she did. But, you know, so I'm trying to say that, you know, I don't want mothers to feel guilty. I don't want fathers to feel guilty. What I want you to understand is if you're sitting there going, gee, my son's an addict, and I don't understand why, Yet, when they were in, you know, elementary school or whatever, you put them on various psych drugs Mm -hmm. because you were told that it was going to help them in school. Just know that it's not something you need to feel guilty about. Just get them help now. Yeah, and the thing is, is those drugs are narcotics, meaning they get you high. Narcotic meaning it gets you high. Right. The idea of a narcotic is that it can cause a change in your mood, like a mood or mind alteration, and cause euphoria. And that's what a narcotic is. Right. And. Ritalin is a narcotic and Adderall is a narcotic. They're all at our speed. Right. And, and so we are setting them up. It's like I saw, oh God, I was uh, a CCHR, Citizens Commission for Human Rights, thing that said childhood is not a mental disorder. And it's and not I was a like, disease. It's not, it, well, yeah, well, yeah, childhood is not a mental disorder because there's yeah. so many little kid things that are now in the DSM <sighs> as mental disorders when it's like, okay, like where there's one, I think it was called... Um, uh, there's math disorder. No, there was, there's, there's math shopping disorder, disorder. Shopping disorder. Internet addiction disorder. Yep. There's video game addiction disorder. Uh-huh. That's actually a thing now. Yep. There And there's also stuff like, you know, uh, the, uh, oppositional defiant disorder. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me right now? Uh, oppositional. Okay, the kid's being difficult. <laughs> now yep. it's called oppositional defiant disorder. Yep. And it's just like they've actually made everything that makes childhood, childhood into a mental problem. And that's all in the attempts to put people on medication, make them addicts, and cause the whole thing. And it's got me very upset because every time I look at this and I dial it and I kind of roll it back in my life, it's like, where did everything start going weird? I don't know when I was six, like I put on Ritalin, but that's what the starting point. Yep. That's the first time I ever put a narcotic in my body. Yep. And, and off you, you go from there. I hate to say this because it sounds crazy, but I'm a huge conspiracy theorist. Why is all this set up just like this? And it just so happens that all this childhood drugging in the 80s continued into the 2000s also went on top of the 
Purdue Pharma and the oxycodone, and then all of a sudden the oxy gets pulled off everywhere, and then everyone's on heroin, and now the heroin gets all weird, and then fentanyl starts magically okay, Jason, appearing from calm China. Down, Jason. It's like, oh my calm god, down, calm it down. Just, it fires me up because it's like we are. We have to kind of look at like we are a drugged society. We all have to choose A or B, right? Choose A, no drugs. Choose B, try drugs. Some of us have that option in life, and some of us didn't. Like yep. me as a kid. Didn't know, didn't know the difference. But what I want is parents and, and, and you know, people who are parents are my age now. People my age have kids. And it's like, be really informed on what you're giving your child. The biggest thing I can tell anyone is ask questions. Exactly. Ask questions. I mean, the first time you get a medication, your doctor says, I think you should try it, blah. You should say, what does blah do to you? Yep. What does blah do to you long term? What are the short term side effects? Know about what you're taking because the more we mindlessly consume substances because even a doctor says this will help you. We, you know, I hate to say this, you can't trust everybody, right? Um, and it's not like the doctor's not trustworthy. It's more like a, he probably doesn't even know himself. That's right. He just is giving you this because it's indicated for whatever you're displaying in the office. Now it's like you need to ask questions. You need to be informed. You need to get you know do your research and do um. It's called a risk benefit ratio. I mean, mm-hmm. taking this medication or drug is this going to harm me more? It's going to help me, or is it the other way around? Yeah. So it's like well, we you know I've told the this story. To be learned. I've told this story before when my younger son was a child he had a he had a little bit of trouble breathing sometimes mm-hmm. it wasn't asthma they never called it asthma but i had a pediatrician say you know you need to give him this drug and just a little alarm went off and i said hmm what are the side effects she said well it can cause him to be hyperactive and to not sleep at night and have nightmares mm-hmm. and i went okay thank you and i i left there and i went Pfft. I'm not putting my son in this drug. No. And then I took him back the next year because it was for a school physical. She said, oh, well, how did he do on whatever the drug was? I said, I didn't give it to him. She said, what do you mean you didn't give it to him? It's like she was outraged that I didn't just do what she told me to do. I said, I'm not putting my son on a medication like that. Yeah, I'm did. not going to do it. Do you know? So it, it, it's a very good point. You have to question these things. And and this was not a psychiatric medication. It was for... It was a bronchodilator. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bronchodilator. And he he grew out of it, you know? <laughs> he, he had a couple of bad spells and then he grew out of it. He never needed it again. And that's, that's, that, and that's the thing. We haven't asked enough questions. We've kind of societally got into the situation we're in. And Tyler's story is just like my story, just like a, a hundreds of thousands of other kids' stories yep. that got drugged as kids turned into addicts. It's not some like mysterious, weird coincidence that it happened like that. It's like it, 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 it that's what it, that's what it does. That's and what I, childhood drugging will do. And I no. wonder sometimes if parents make the connection. Like, did your parents ever make the connection that perhaps the reason why Tyler's on? hardcore drugs now is because he started down that road when he was six did they ever make that connection yeah definitely when my addiction started getting really bad and in the more recent years yeah my mom definitely made that connection interesting now i also feel that when you tell a child that it's okay to take this medication to correct this issue that leads on into your adult life leading you to believe that let's say you're depressed upset anxious it's okay to go run and use drugs. Take a it's pill. okay to suppress it and yep. not deal with it. Yep. So kids are never taught to actually confront and deal with the issues that they have going on. And then they become adults and have absolutely no idea to how to handle their emotions other than to grab a bottle from the liquor store, go to your dealer and pick up some drugs, some way of suppressing it. Yep. 
I think that's a very, very good point. Yeah, it's a big way of we don't not confront or dealing with anything in life. Yes. And that's really what it comes down to. Yes. Got a problem, take a pill. Exactly. So if there was one thing you could pass along to anybody listening, whether it's loved one of an addict or an addict themselves, what would that be? What would you want to tell that person? Don't have too much pride to ask for help. That would be probably the biggest advice that I could ever give anyone. Interesting. I really like that. I do too. I really like that because that's a true thing. So many people out there, even families I've talked to, oh, he'll never ask for help, ever ask for help. He has too much pride. It's like, pride going to kill him. So it's like, yeah, swallow your pride. Yep. That's like good. It. That's good. What uh, job are you going to be doing at Narconon in Colorado? Um, right now, I'm a course supervisor. Okay. I'm finishing my training as a case supervisor and ethics officer as well at the moment. Okay. And just so listeners understand, a case supervisor is someone who actually tracks the progress of every individual that comes into the program through withdraw, through new life sauna, through objectives, and through the life skills courses. That's what a case supervisor is. And that's that's a big job. That's that. That's good. Yeah, it's really amazing going from where I was just one and a half, two years ago, even further back to actually being trusted, you know, given a chance because my criminal history is not good. Mm -hmm. Most jobs wouldn't even give me an interview when Narcanon gave me a chance to have a normal life. I like that. I'm glad. Well, I think you'll be a valuable staff member at Narcanon. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your story today. Absolutely. Jason, Until any last time? words of wisdom before words we of break? Wisdom. Follow through with your uh, your resolutions this year. Put there action behind it. That's where we started. That's where we're going to finish. Put action behind it. Don't yep. just hope for it. Don't just wish for it. Don't just want it, but go get it. Yep. And if you have a loved one or a friend who is an addict, help them take action. Yeah. And call me. And call Nart, Call Jason, 877-339-3324. Tyler, one more time, thank you. Jason, we'll talk again next week. Ciao. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 